Hello, my friends. Justin Flaskrud here. Welcome to another episode of All My Friends. Today's friend is Ray White. Now, I've known Ray for over three decades, from playing interrail basketball together, team money, to our love of hip-hop and rap music. We have seen and done a lot of life together. Let's get to his story. Well, I was born and raised in the great town of Laramie, Wyoming. Spent 30 years there. So you were actually born in Ivinson Memorial Hospital? Ivinson Memorial, yep. And I know this, your parents are still alive, right? Yes, they are still living in Laramie. Still, I go back and visit them every summer. And uniquely, geographically, they're on the same street? Yes. And but separate. Yes. Yeah. Um, as a kid, you know, I, I tell people my kids, my parents got divorced when I was a kid. I was like six or seven. And I was like, they said, oh, poor you. And I say, well, it wasn't too bad. They stayed on the same street. I just rode my bike back and forth every day. So uh, it was it, for, for having a divorce as a kid. It, it wasn't too bad. I got to see them both every day. So. And you have a sibling? I have an older brother. Um, who also lives out here in, um, well, I forgot to say, I live currently live in Las Vegas area, Henderson, Nevada, and I have a brother that also lives out here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, he's nine years older than me. Uh, yeah. So how did your parents get to Laramie, Wyoming? So my father was a little easier he was from colorado and even went to high school in fort collins so as you you know most everyone that's going to listen to this knows that's only an hour south of of laramie just across the border and uh at some point when he was looking for a job he found there was a good job opening at the university of wyoming just up north a little bit and uh, that's what brought him but he uh at that point was already married to my mother and my brother was born. So obviously he brought them with him, but my mother met my father when he was in the army in Kentucky and eventually got married. And, uh, can you hear the dogs? Oh yeah. Full house there. Like, <laughs> I guess these headphones aren't exactly noise blocking. No. But uh, anyway, so that's what brought them from, you know, they met in Kentucky moved to Colorado where my father's family was and then came up north where my father got a good job at the university. But your dad had a unique job in the service in Kentucky. What was that? Uh, guarding Fort Knox. Uh, he got to, which is a cool thing, which is a lot of people know that's, that's, uh, you know, where people think most of the gold is. It's not really all there, but that's what it's known for is, is that's where, uh, United States gold is, but, um, so that's kind of a cool thing. So your brother's nine years older than you. I have a sibling. It's about six years older than me. What was that like growing up? Well, you know, I mean that far apart, you just don't usually have a lot in common growing up, you know? Um, you know, when I'm six or seven or eight, playing with Star Wars toys. He is 16 or 17 and out driving around 
the strip of Grand Avenue and Third Street in Laramie and just not a lot going on, you know, at that time. Um, later in life, we had, you know, once we were both adults, we had a little more in common for a while. And then we got less in common again because I settled down and had a family and he didn't. So. Um, so you basically had your own childhood, it sounds like. Uh, yeah. What was your childhood like? What were you into? Well, I already mentioned one thing, something you and I both have in, in common, and that's Star Wars. That was uh, one of my most loved things I was into as a kid. But, you know, everything else, kind of like any other kid. I like sports. I like riding bikes and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, all that sort of thing. And older I got, I got a little more specifically into one sport, basketball. You know, I got through uh, into high school and, and beyond. So... That's mostly what I was into. So what were you like as a kid? Introvert, extrovert? Did you like around people? Did you have a crew? Uh, I had some good friends as a kid. Um, you know, talking grade school, my crew was probably like uh, early on was like Cody Braystead and, and Brett Moniz. And that went on. I hung out with Mike Gilbert and uh, Bobby Soper. That was kind of a lot of grade school. Um, got to high school, you know, a few other people, you know, Rick Osborne um, and uh, Robert King, you know. And uh, in eighth grade, I got to meet two pretty cool guys that were buddies of mine. Didn't turn out to be my best friends till probably after high school, but that would be you and uh, Ty Mitchell. Uh, so that was my people right there. I would say earlier when I was younger, though, I, I was definitely uh, quieter, shyer. Um, something changed because <laughs> I'm not real shy anymore. But, uh, you know, I, I would say I, I progressed and, and became a lot more outgoing the older I got. So you talked about playing sports and you got primarily into basketball. What kind of like athlete were you? What, what kind of mindset were you a rah-rah guy or more cerebral assassin? Um, I would say I wasn't a very good athlete. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I thought I, I was a guy that, you know, I, I thought I, I didn't, I don't know how to explain. I guess I just didn't understand the game as well as I thought I did. And, and, uh, I learned a lot more about sports afterwards. Um, I would say I, I uh, you know, I, I was a very tentative athlete also, and that's something I, just like my personality, that changed as I got older, and I wish it would have changed earlier in high school. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think I was the same way. My mom's like, you were really shy, and then, then you weren't. And so I was like, I don't know what happened. Uh, I think I had to start, I had to learn how to talk in front of people. I was a president of a club in high school and that kind of propelled me yeah. to being like, Oh, I got to talk in front of people now. And so I didn't care anymore. Yeah. And like, I remember people like my football player friends would be like, Oh, will you talk to her? Like talk to her for us. Cause you can talk to anybody. And I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> and then the more I did stuff like this radio DJ, uh, you know, it's definitely the personality opens up a whole lot more. You get comfortable. And also, like you worry less about what people think. You kind of got your own right. stuff together in life. So high school, were you rebellious, a good student? Um, uh, 
hit and miss. You know, I, I think there was times when I was really focused on basketball and, and having good grades. I would say I was a good student, but I think there's definitely times I got into some trouble. Never anything too serious, but, uh, you know, there's definitely times I let my grades slack and I uh, maybe wasn't the, the best student in the class. Um, but overall, not too bad. There, there was definitely worse. Yeah. Um what was it? Oh, high school. So we graduate high school together. We, if you guys didn't know, yes, Ray and I went to high school together. And the guy, the other guy that's been interviewed on this podcast, Ty, too, as well, you might know us as a group collective. Um, but we graduate high school, 92. We go to UW. What was that like? Uh, phenomenal. Really, honestly, life changing. Um, I think it just, you know, like I said, the fact that. You know, that summer going into it and early in the fall, start hanging out with you more, start hanging out with Ty more, start hanging out with, uh, I kind of already hung out with another guy I should bring up that was a big part of our crew, Jeremy Wheatley. Um, and just kind of, it, it was good. It was good to have a lot of friends that, you know, we're all kind of going to college. We're all, you know, exploring this uh, college party scene together and um, it, it was it was phenomenal you know and possibly also time in my life maybe that also helped get me out of my shell a little bit because uh, we went out and had a lot of fun and uh, experienced liquid a lot courage. together liquid courage yeah that, that never hurts yeah um, what I brought with Ty Hanging out in, honestly, the Baskin-Robbins parking lot. Like, that's where Ty and I probably legitimately, like, became good friends. Like, I knew him all through high school and such. And I knew you. We played basketball and stuff. But you, I always say, you and Wheat showed up in my dorm room. I had a fake ID. You guys rescued me from, like, a toxic vodka, beat-up-everybody friendship with another guy. And you're like – Shut up my dorm. You're like, you have a fake ID. And I was like, yeah, I do. And you're like, let's get a keg and game time. Like, <laughs> fast forward to now. Friendships yeah. built. And yeah. so, um, it's, and I told Ty, I was like, yeah, it's a good guy to have in the crew. I had a fake ID. I have a baby <laughs> face, but I had an ID that said I was 22. And so. And it, it worked. It worked until it got taken away. And really, we'd already been set up in places. So it didn't matter right. anymore. Right. But yeah, alcohol built some friendships. We always wanted to get t-shirts like that. We still should. We still should. Copyright. Copyright anybody. What copyright? If I Absolutely. could do that. I don't know if that's legal, but yeah. Um, so we're in college at the University of Wyoming. Um, we hone our partying skills at every house party I think could happen. <laughs> Over the course of a semester, I believe. Then we have a New Year's Eve party. At my parents' house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The rabbit. The rabbit. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, we have the party. A lot of people are there. I'm not going to – I'm never going to put a number on this one in case my mom listens to the podcast, which she probably will. Okay. <laughs> Cleaned up the house. Cleaned up the house. They knew I was going to have people over. Cleaned up the house. My little sister was at the babysitter's cross street. We got everybody out. We were, I was like ready for this. Like, and there was a liquor cabinet nobody touched. I can't believe that one. Yeah, but like, I, I took the it. phone. I only had the phone. Um, 
everything breakables put away. It was awesome. Uh, but somebody took a velveteen rabbit. Yep. And my mom went crazy. And she wanted to put a list out in the newspaper of everybody that was at that party. Oh, Luckily, oh my, my stepdad stepped in. <laughs> and he was like, that's all that's missing. He's like, there's a full liquor cabinet untouched. Nothing well, happened. No damages. No damages, except for it snowed. It's Laramie, Wyoming. You got this much snow in the front yard. As the snow melts, bottles start popping out of the front yard like it's springtime in the Rockies or something. You know, it's, Which is a fair trade for a Velveteen Rabbit. Oh, yeah. So if you look at it, your mom actually gained. <laughs> She got a fresh yard of bottles. I think she would call me, at least let me know every time one popped up or you should come pick up bottle caps from the front yard. I'm like, oh man. But I mean, for what it was, that Velatine rabbit was the only thing that happened. We were lucky. Especially as an inexperienced we were at the time. Oh yeah. Of throwing a party and for it to come out that, you know, that, that one only mistake i get i don't even know if you yeah. want to call it a mistake but you could have had damages we could have had stuff a lot bigger stuff stolen uh we could have had all kinds of problems police and everything else and everything was okay i don't even think the police showed up and we had parties there after that and they showed up mm-hmm. yeah you tried to charge them money i do remember that one that was funny yeah that's yeah. bad yeah we opened the door saying five dollars the police we dressed up nice for that one though so I yeah think that oh, maybe yeah. that's why it was okay yeah it's because the backyard got a little loud yeah but, so give you context of that story people we're beer drinkers for could get two years probably i don't know we just keg and we really didn't drink a lot of our alcohol since i toyed around with the vodka um we decided to have a formal and we dress up and we had, knew a guy that was a bartender at a certification. So he mixed the drinks up and hijinks ensued. Um, Dagan, do you remember that? I remember Dagan being there. He literally, I remember this happening. He had drink in hand. He's like, there's not enough alcohol in these drinks and just trips over the sliding glass door. Like, oh, ledge on my remember. porch, boom. I think he puked for the next hour. So I was like, yeah, not enough alcohol. Almost kicked him on his <laughs> down. And yeah, and like the next day, fast forward to the next day was the roughest because I, I, w- I was like the only one that could pull it together. Everybody was puking. I think Robert and I ran to 7-Eleven and well, not 7-Eleven, but come and go. Well, I don't know what they are called now. Yeah. Um, and I got inside, blowing up on Gatorade, orange juice. I like, get him to the counter. And that hot dog smell hits my nose. <laughs> I had to hold it in until I got outside. And I'm puking on the side of basically a 7-Eleven on our main drag. Like Sunday morning. Or I don't know when it yeah, Robert comes out. I was like, you all right? And I'm like, no. Like, it's like, damn hot dog smell just threw me off. And so I think we swore off hard alcohol for a little bit after that. Yeah. Speaking of hard alcohol. Kind of fast forward, we get into the bar business. Not owners or anything like that. DJ respective. Bartender, got a question. Yes. What was in those drinks? Blue Martian, I can't, electric light. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, there were some crazy ones yes. that got invented over time. Um, the, more popu- the most popular one was the Purple Martian. 
that had the seven different alcohols in it and uh and just a little splash of sprite just a little just a little splash but it's, what it's were the seven drink. alcohols people so like? uh four whites which if i remember right was vodka white rum gin and uh maybe triple sec <laughs> and then uh god it's been a while and then it was that was most of the drink and then the puckers were kind of there for a little bit of flavoring and color so you had the cherry pucker the grape pucker and the what was the other pucker green apple Ooh, probably Something like that and then uh like i said that pretty much filled your that was 15 of the 16 ounces of a 16 ounce cup and then uh an ounce of uh, an ounce of Sprite, and that about did it. That became a very popular drink at the the world famous Parlor Bar. Yeah, it was like it was our eight mile. I always tell people that. Mm -hmm. so it's like, but we were going in there. Gosh, I remember. I think you and Rick went first, and you were like, "This is the greatest bar ever. We have to go." <laughs> and you, and then we went, and I was like, "We're never going to the Cowboy Twenty and." Whatever, 18 under now, 18 up. Right. Yeah, we're not doing that again. If we can go to the parlor all the time, we're going to the parlor. And so, like good business models, we decide after going to a bar enough, we're going to get jobs. Well, this is how I got a job at the parlor, which I crack up at all the time. Uh, I just barely turned 21. I don't even think you were 21 yet. And the manager's like, Are you sure you were 21? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think you were barely. Yeah, yeah you might be right. Within barely weeks, barely. probably. Yeah. Manager's like, hey, Rude, you like music? And I was like, well, yeah. And he's like, you want to be a DJ? And I was like, yeah. No <laughs> idea, like, what I could do, had to do it, what type, you know. Right. Like, Play music in this place? Well, I think I could handle that. And it was primarily, like, a hip-hop bar. Like, yeah. they try to make it everything else. Hip-hop music, rap music, supreme in that place. Yeah. And so I was like, wait a minute, there, there's some nights where I got to shoot basketball. I, I worked at TV and I, and for my degree and my job, and I was like, can Ray be the other D can he be a DJ too? So we had like six DJs, <laughs> five nights or <laughs> you were in the door. I don't, you weren't 21, but right. it didn't matter. They didn't matter. DJs. So we were in and that how did you first start bartending then um boy i don't think it happened right away um you know we definitely had a change of management often and it might not have been until gosh my memory is going but it might not have been until a great man named jason palumbo possibly took over managing and then he, you know, you know, Jason would need people to fill a lot of places here and there. And I, and I think I, you know, I think, well, we all kind of learned all the spots. Eventually you did some bartending. We both did some door time. Um, you know, eventually we kind of just took, you know, it, hopped in wherever was needed and, uh, and there we go. And somehow our group of friends end up running this, the most popular bar in town. <laughs> it was it, like, and every time, like, people like, how many times you work at the parlor? I was like, I don't really have a clue. Like, yeah. Multiple times. 
and being relieved of my duties or moving on or just plain moving. Mm -hmm. But yet it was always, besides maybe the last time I was there, last time I was there, I had a man, the manager said I was the worst DJ ever. And then I went downstairs and said, you want to DJ at the Buckhorn? And like, yeah. And I made it awesome downstairs. It wasn't the freak show. Sorry, Buckhorn. It wasn't the freak show that used to be like when we went to the Buckhorn, yeah, like we'd avoid it a lot when we were in the parlor. I turned it around. It's like a college spot. That was my yeah. doing. That was my doing. It I was. brought in, and I knew how to work the music between kind of the crazy folk and then the college crowd. And I brought yeah. my college crowd from Lovejoy's, but worst bar DJ ever. Oh, pissed me <laughs> off. I ever heard that one, especially at the parlor. I was like, you need. I was like. You were in diapers when I was kicking ass here. Like the guy who said it didn't know what he's talking about. I think he was a Palumbo prodigy, but um, yeah, it was interesting. So we're working at the the parlor a lot. You're going to school, sort uh, of. Sort of. Uh, <laughs> I understand that one. I always ask, how did we do it? Like a couple jobs, classes social life right and you know we're talking late nights pretty much you know at the parlor wednesday thursday friday saturday so uh morning classes didn't work out so well a lot of times that's why it took me Um, six years uh took me a little longer than that um but you know there there was times where i only took a couple classes or or whatever you know we had so much fun working there and you know, I mean, when you got a job you like and it's fun and where all my friends work, I mean, uh, sometimes a lot of times that took priority. It probably shouldn't have, but, uh, but somehow pulled it off over time. So we're in college here and we got this great, well, opportunity, I'll say. It kind of came out of nowhere. We could become camp counselors. Yes. At a summer camp in New York, about an hour and a half from New York City in the Catskill Hills. There aren't mountains. Right. We, I live in the mountains. For them, it's mountains. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the first things I said when I got there. I was like, so where are these mountains? And they're like, you're on them. And I was like, oh, okay. We're here, I guess. <laughs> um, how did you find that job? You know, I think... Uh, there was actually a ad in the Branding Iron, the University of Wyoming School newspaper, um, which I'm sure, so it, it was called like Camp America and they represented all the, or a lot of the camps around all of America, um, trying to find college kids to work at their camp, kid, kids that wanted summer jobs, summer adventures, something to do different for the summer. And uh saw that and saw it was sports related and uh, I remember applying and end up to kind of telling you guys I was like you know especially in my situation where I was the one person of our crew that had been in Laramie since birth I just I think needed something different need to try to get out of town and try something for a summer so I remember applying and after I met a great man uh, that offered uh, me a job, Chuck Fisher, um, he said he needed more. And uh, I think that's when I spoke to you guys, you and uh, Rick, about, hey, 
you know, this could be fun. What do you guys think? You know, and, uh, that was another major, 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 uh, life changing, you know, uh, decision for us to start doing that. That really expanded our, you know, got us, I don't know, just a lot of new friends, a lot of fun times, a lot of fun times. Um, you know, got a lot of travel in. That was a great, great uh, thing we stumbled into there. I had a, I might have already put it in at that time, a application to work at Taco Bell in our union. So I was like, <laughs> summer camp, will they have me? I don't know if I could be a counselor. I thought I was underqualified to do such work. I had coached basketball and stuff, but football, but it turns out we were, the best counselors they've ever saw. Right. One of the yeah, best. Pretty darn good. On camp and off camp, we were all stars. Game changers. Game changers. Yeah. Like they had never really hired anybody from the West. Right. And we were the first, and we kind of brought eventually years later the West with us. We did. Yeah. We, we did recruited all around Wyoming, Colorado, you know, and beyond. So yeah. I mean, game changer. Yeah. I met, I met my ex-wife there. So yeah, it was a game yeah. changer in my life. I lived in New York afterwards uh, because of it. Um, so clearly I was all in on Camp Echo. Uh, some of the great stuff we got to do, at least at my level, I got to go to DC, got to go to California, Hershey Park. I, I'm sure you went there, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it wasn't, like our buddy Ty, he worked at a camp and he talked about it. It wasn't as loosey goosey as his camp. Like we had a like division, like a lake between us. Right. Like security that walked around. We became division leaders and eventually we were above the law in that aspect. Yes, we were. <laughs> so that was kind of nice, but we still had responsibilities. Like, yeah. We wouldn't promote us, but. Um, now, did you do five summers and I did six? Is that how it went? I might, yeah. I think I was seventh and eighth grade. Eighth grade, we were co-division uh, division leaders, and then I had three years in varsity hall. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That's a lot, a lot of, of good summers. A lot of, a lot of fun. What's sure. your most favorite memory of that place? You could describe a camp moment. You could describe an out-of-camp moment. Um, gosh, so many. Um. You know, I, I, I mean, so many fun nights out with staff, you know, us and, and a lot of the great friends we made there, great friends, again, from all over the country, all over the world, because there was people that worked there from England, Australia, I mean, you name it. Um, so many fun nights out, so it's hard, you know. Um, one of my favorite, you know, if we're talking off-campus stuff, obviously one, I had a favorite day uh, every year, and that would be my birthday, and which was, happened to be a very popular going out night uh, each summer. So a lot of fun nights on my birthday in, uh, in, in the Catskill Mountains uh, with everybody. But there was a lot of fun stuff on camp. You know, there was, uh, you know, staff basketball games. I had, I had a lot of fun with the kids that we worked with. They're great kids, you know. I mean, drove us nuts sometimes. But, again, met a lot of great kids. Um, a lot of great people we worked with too, you know, like I said, the owner, Chuck Fisher, uh, his son ended up becoming one of our good friends. 
I'll have to get him on the podcast. Yeah, you should. Eric Fisher, yeah. uh, still a great friend to this day. Um, and, you know, so many more people, you know, Debbie, his mother, well, Chuck's wife, Eric's mother, Debbie, his sister, Amy. Um, but, you know, so many other people that were great to us there, Jay and, and uh, um, who did we used to do the shot for? Richie Bernstein. Richie Bernstein. Uh, yeah. But a lot of people that, uh, you know, a lot of great people to work with, learned a lot from actually. And uh, I don't know, just great six summers. Six summers I'd never give back. Like the reintroduction to Mad Dog into our life was kind of a <laughs> shocker because it had new flavors. And yeah. I think we got why people drank Mad Dog. It got you fucked up fast. Yeah. So, yeah, I get it. Um, that, that, the reintroduction of Mad Dog definitely in my life uh, was interesting. Um, let's see. The drives out there and back, your truck. I think I moved out there in a van. Um, mm -hmm. uh, we saw our buddy Wheat on the way. The first time we, we drove out, we drove out with Rick mm -hmm. and went to Queens and yeah. hung out. Buddy Damien, uh, and so experiencing like a little bit of New York City before we we hit the Catskills, and it's all foreign to us. It's crazy. Right. A couple guys from Wyoming. I'm sure a lot of people were like Wyoming license plate. What the? And I remember, <laughs> I remember Chuck expecting to see like cowboy hats and cowboy boots. Right. He said that, and we're like, sorry. Right. It's like they're ballers. You're gonna like them. Basketball players. They're gonna you know <laughs> like that, and. uh but we're not wearing cowboy boots. I'll tell you that one. I was not going to. It's hot there. And this is one. Like, you said this one summer. We're standing outside. It's 90 degrees, 70% uh, humidity, it feels like. Yeah. You're like, rude. Well, you know what's different about this place? And I was just like, where do I start? You know? <laughs> you're like, what's different about from Wyoming? And I was like, where do I start? And you're like, wind. There's no wind here. And I was like. Yeah, everybody stinks. Like you can just because you're sweating all the time. You can just smell people, including yourself. Right. But so after uh, all, didn't matter. Right. And so, but I remember you saying that, like you, and I was just like about a million things. But oh yeah, the wind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's no wind here, or if it was windy, we were screwed. Rainstorm was coming. Right. Um, so yeah, the stuff and on camp, definitely. I loved coaching. So getting to coach the kids in sports and and participating and we had older kids um like seventh eighth on and so they had their own personalities their issues weren't as bad as you know he's touching me kind of stuff they were people that liked girls and stuff like that and so they were fun to deal with but their issues were larger than life sometimes um so it could make the job difficult and as the division leader you didn't get the easy ones like you're you handled crap all day like the troubled kids. Some days right. I just want to go shoot hoops or kick around a ball with the good kids. But no, I got to deal with this ass clown over here. Won't play <laughs> right with everybody else. Right. And so, um, yeah, that, it was. So that probably prepared you for being a, a teacher that you like you are now and a coach. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you, you had mentioned that we coached a little bit before going out there. So we had coached like, you know, fifth, sixth grade team, stuff like that, you know, uh, a couple little leagues and stuff like that and kind of kept us tied in with, 
with sports because, you know, you love football, I love basketball. And then, like I said, this, we got to do more coaching out there in the summer. And then, yeah, you know, as I was finishing up college and, and everything and, and finished going out, going out there, it sure helped me pick, you know what? I've done a lot of work with kids. I still love sports. I still love coaching. What profession kind of does this go with? Um, and that's what led me to teaching. And that's what, uh, you know, led me out here to uh, Las Vegas area to uh, start a teaching career. So what made you choose UNLV to get your master's at? A few things. Um, we kind of spoke about due to our um, – our nightlife job, uh, I wasn't the greatest college student. Um, so there wasn't a lot of places. I wanted to go somewhere where I could, you know, maybe eventually be, teach, but also work on my master's degree. So I applied to, you know, a bunch of places and not a lot wanted a guy with my low of GPA, but uh, UNLV was one of them. Tells you a little bit about it. Uh, um, and so, that was part of it. Also, like I said, you know, we had now experienced some big city stuff going to New York city and, and, you know, getting out of town for the summers, just doing different stuff. But still you're looking at once I graduate college, I continue to work in Laramie and coach in Laramie. And so it got to the point where I just, I, I had been in small town Wyoming for 30 years, which I still love. You know, I love Laramie, Wyoming, but I was single and I was ready for a change at that point. And out of the places that accepted me, it was still not too far from home, a day's drive, but it was definitely a change, you know, big city and uh, warmer weather. I'd definitely done my time in wind and snow. It's and, about to uh, snow tonight. Is it? Yeah. Not here. Yeah, no, it looks windy there. Yeah, it's about snow here. So yeah, um, so um, that's kind of you know the combination of it was different enough and uh, and somewhere that could would would accept me actually into their college. What was like the most difficult, hardest thing to get used to living in Las Vegas? Oh man, you know. It, it was a lot of, it was a few things because it's not just going small town to big town. You're, you're going to Las Vegas. You're going somewhere where the nightlife never turns off. And I think I had to really be disciplined a lot. As undisciplined as I was, I still forced myself to not go enjoy that nightlife as much as I was tempted to uh, when I moved here. So probably, you know, that was the biggest you know, change for me. The bars didn't close it too, like they didn't in, in Wyoming. Um, you know, it was that and, and just overall big city, you know, life, you know, a lot, it's a lot different, a lot different, a lot more cultures, a lot more variety of people and, and uh, a lot more busyness and just took a while of that to get used to, I'd say. But, you know, I never made you miss home because I was there like every month. Yeah, I literally, I think you came out about every other month. Um, I'd say, you, I think my first year, you really were out here six times in those 12 months. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. It was great. It was great. It made uh, things a lot better. And you'd always bring a few friends. There'd always be some event, a Wyoming football game, a Wyoming, you know, tournament, uh, whatever it might be. 
your birthday. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. there was always some good reason. Like, Rude, you better come on out. You know, it's, uh, you know, no better place to spend it. I remember Vegas Bowl. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was Vegas Bowl that I didn't realize they sold hard alcohol to the Vegas mm-hmm. Bowl at that stadium at San Boyd. Mm-hmm. And I think we were going to our seats. We're kind of the top almost nosebleed the pack stadium which i've never seen that place maybe that way with wyoming involved oh hey i did <laughs> see him play byu there never mind yeah. reverse that um but we're going to our seats we turn the corner and we see all these i see like the whole setup for hard liquor and i was just like beer gross <laughs> man what are we doing let's grow up this drinks a big kid drinks and we we're awesome after that and we start at the top and by halftime, we had to be 50 yard line in the middle. Yeah. Like all the UCLA <laughs> fans left because it was yeah. cold for them. I just had like a long sleeve shirt on, maybe a bandana. It might've been a little, ch- I have no idea if it was cold or not, yeah. but it was not. Cause Wyoming I knew was probably sub temperatures in Las it Vegas. Was, it was warm yeah. for Wyoming people. For yeah, sure. it was, it was good. And that was like, the first year you were there. And so I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And so um, we went to the Wyoming played UNLV earlier that year too. And it went like four overtimes. It was crazy. And one of their fans that we met in the parking lot, one of the UNLV fans that I met uh, in the parking lot helped us out. We were waiting for a ride. They had a hearse that had two, uh, pull out caskets, one with kegs, one with food. And they're like, yeah, help yourself. We're eating with them. Waiting for because Sam Boy is way out on the moon to right. get right out. There's not real ride shares. So it was figuring out how do we do this? And they fell in love with Wyoming's play calling that they showed up at the bowl game. And I get a tap on my shoulder and it's the guy from the tailgate. Oh, that's great. We're at the UCLA game. I was like, he's like, I remember you from, and I was like, sweet. I do not. Re- I barely remembered him, but I was like, he explained the kegs, like the casket and stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. So you're in Vegas. You meet interesting people. It's a lot different. You meet one particularly interesting person. Snip called your wife now. Yeah. How'd that happen? Well, um, also very lucky. I met her very early on when I when I moved here. I um, so. You know, when you when you go off to grad school, a lot of times you get these, you know, you need some kind of part-time grad job, grad school type job. And I was tutoring math students, being that I was working on a master's in math, math education eventually. And uh, she also worked for the same uh, tutoring uh, there at UNLV. And uh, she was uh, tutoring science, specifically chemistry. So I met her through through grad school slash our grad school job my wife my lovely wife amanda and so as you can tell people listening there's a few more people in that house besides your wife who are they yes well so things worked out pretty well she put up with a lot of shenanigans that first year of my friends coming to town quite often um um, and so, like I said, got married and, uh, we now have three kids, um, Brayden, Lucas and Kaylee. 
Uh, Braden is 11, and Lucas and Kaylee are just recently turned nine. And uh, yeah, so now we've been married. I guess that about yeah this uh, this September will be 15 years. 15. Wow. Good job. Congratulations. On Thank that. you. Uh, so you guys are all now uh, quarantined. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Good work. Staying safe. How, like, I've always wanted to ask you this question when I think about how are you guys educating your kids during quarantine? Do they have school they got to take part of? Do you guys have stuff planned out? Um, like most places, it's some, it's some, you know, online learning, some type of online learning. Now for her, you know, she's a professor at, at, uh, at our College of Southern Nevada here in, in town. And so she has to do a little more intricate stuff than me. You know, she's, she's doing a lot of, on, you know, posting a lot of different videos and having online chats through things like this, like Zoom and, and um, you know, a lot of online testing software and, you know, a lot of stuff like that. Mine isn't as intricate because we're in a little different situation. At least my school district is. We have a lot of kids that don't have um, internet access or they don't have a device, maybe besides a phone, to get on the internet. So right now we're just offering like practice you know, online, but uh, we're using stuff like, like I use Khan Academy, very popular for, it's for, for other subjects, but it's a big one. It's really popular for math, you know, assignments on there and um, a lot of stuff in Google, a lot of Google forms. Uh, all the kids are, are connected on a, a Google classroom and a lot of teachers are doing their own thing too. Just depends. But right now we're just trying to give the kids some sort of, um, you know, online education, online practice until we kind of see what way this goes. If we're canceling school for sure for the rest of the year, um, you know, today they actually just announced my school district that it's at least extending through April 30th. Um, so, which will probably end up leading to the rest of the year. So I, I think as they've made, um, as they adjust things, they're, they're kind of figuring out more of how they want to handle educating the kids and how they want us grading them and, and help them get through this as a tough time for them too. What about your little ones? How are they? Do they have classes? Do they have stuff they're doing? Are you guys yes. taking care of that? Uh, they, their teachers are doing the same thing I'm kind of doing. They post stuff to Google classroom. They, you know, they'll give them online, you know, stuff. If it's reading class online stuff for them to read, or they'll give them, they'll post, you know, certain math stuff to do my my 11 year old his teachers happens to be assigning Khan Academy to him just like I am to my students um, you know really similar um, it's definitely not you know not as parents we're not making them sit here for six hours a day like they would in school but also the teachers are are, are assigning reasonable stuff understanding that it's just not going to be able to happen like that at home, but it's enough to where they get in a couple hours a day. They're practicing math. They're practicing their reading. They're practicing writing, um, using technology, which is always a good thing. You know, that's one, I guess you could say a weird positive thing about this is I think it's helping teachers and students get better with 
variety of technology because you got no choice right now. True. Um, but no, it's kind of the same thing for them. A lot of online learning. Yes, yes. I Well, I work at a university as well. And um, I'm the tech side. So I'm really busy trying to make sure this all works for everybody. Uh, my biggest fear is that everybody's online at the same time we crash the old internet. Or, yeah. Uh, that internet services aren't ready, truly ready for this. And now it's become a necessity. It should be like, everyone should have internet. Like the yeah. access is a necessity because who knows what comes down the line as far as another virus. You know, this isn't the first, you know, SARS was a version of coronavirus. So yeah, like if we have to have another, hopefully we don't have to have another pandemic or anything like that, but to be ready, I'm ready now. I'm not ready for everybody to be online. I'm not ready for classes to be just delivered this way. Um, even because I work at a university, I just, I hope there's a giant pushback that we all go out in public and give each other hugs and high fives and stuff. Once yeah. we get to a safe place with it. Um, right. But I'm definitely, yeah, I freaked out a little bit. Um, mostly for my, you know, are my parents. I'm sure. Right. Same, same here. Now that's the ones we got to be concerned for. Um, I do. Uh, I'm a diabetic. My blood sugars are good. It's usually with people that are diabetic that have out of control blood sugars that that's killing them. And yeah. I'm good doing everything I can to um, boost my immune system. I'm home, all that stuff. Uh, when I got sick in December, I got really dehydrated. It was like the worst. It's very similar to what this, these symptoms are. I'm not saying I had COVID, but mm -hmm. dry cough, fever, all that stuff. It was a flu I never really had before. I got really dehydrated. And this Gatorade was the savior. Like, <laughs> and now I have like just... I, people went out and bought toilet paper. I bought Gatorade <laughs> because I'm going to have my electrolytes, right? I'm going to be hydrated. I'm never going to go through that dehydration. It was so painful. Like, I, I mean, yeah. it was worse than any like cramping up from sports I've ever gone through. Oh, wow. I couldn't drink enough. Like Gatorade water wasn't cutting it. It was like, so I was kept on quoting it, you know, idiocracy, you know, it's got electrolytes. It's got electrolytes. Have you seen that? movie it's it's basically a movie about if america got dumb instead of smart they show these smart movies i've heard of this yeah. movie but uh, i can't remember what it's called idiosyncrasy okay and they i've heard water, of it they try to water plants with like the powderade because it's got electrolytes oh yeah yeah okay because, i heard about that a little yeah, bit it's it, it's interesting movie you, you got to check it out sometime that and tiger king tiger king's a must Okay, so I'll get on there. I told yeah. Amanda that uh, I think we're going to have to watch it. It's everywhere on the internet. It's everybody's watching it or watched it. I think yeah. we're going to have to buckle down. We What we did do is we said, well, if we're quarantined, um, I'd like to rewatch Game of Thrones. So we started that again. Oh, wow. And last time we got it, we were late to the, you know, we were late to to getting into Game of Thrones. So we really binge watched it hard last year. We pushed through all the seasons while people were just watching the last season and uh, kind of watched it too fast. I think we missed a lot. So now we're just kind of watching one episode a day or night, whatever, and enjoying it more, but um, understanding a lot more. Uh, it's such a great show, but I think we might have to pause and, uh, and get on this Tiger King thing. 
Well, one thing I did, and I wish I would have waited, I watched Avengers chronologically, the Avengers series, mm. starting with Captain America, Captain Marvel, and like the years that. Oh, very cool. And so, like, because those movies are so separated and kind of happen out of order that you don't, when Santa starts building the freaking glove, Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't all come together that quickly and then right. watching again i'm like oh yeah here we go this is all and i was like this covid19 is stanos in us like <laughs> I mean, seriously like yeah taking out the population I, I, the numbers are crazy but i wish i would have waited to do that uh, binge of movies i started maybe when disney plus came out after like mandalorian and then i did a i did i did lord of the rings all three but four hours like the extended version right yeah i I strapped in i said i didn't i don't i can't bring myself to watch the end of um return of the king where it's the hobbit love fest yeah it gets a little creepy it kind of just emotional but then a little creepy and you're like i don't know how i feel about this yeah i know it's gonna happen like i read the book so when it was coming up i knew it was gonna happen but i didn't know it was gonna be uh so loving so so a little bit like sexual, it was weird. <laughs> it felt weird, but um, so I done that, and then Tiger King's good. Now we're watching Ozark season three, mm. so that's a good show as well. Uh, last question, and I okay. ask everyone this one because it's all my friends. And okay. I think the show's about me. How do we meet? Oh man, so I. Th- Pretty, from what I remember, we met on the bus. Is that correct? Go ahead and tell your story. I'll okay. On. Well, I remember meeting on the bus, and uh, um, because when you first moved here, you had was it your first house when you moved here when you lived out in West Laramie? Second. It was your second house. Maybe that's kind of the first time we talked a lot. I, I don't know. Um, but I remember being on the bus with you every day. And then uh, there was a girl that also rode the bus. can't remember her name exactly, but I do remember that she tended to be a girl that got into a lot of trouble. And um, she had offered to, we were talking about certain tapes we wanted and music we were getting into. And she had offered to steal tapes for us <laughs> from the local store. We we're like, really? You know, and that we just thought that was kind of a, a crazy thing and we she ended up doing it um i feel bad but uh um i remember that for some reason that sticks out to me I, that was an eighth grade memory i believe well i don't think i i didn't move that was our third house i didn't move out to west laramie until 15 or so um but that story is correct about i ran into you downtown laramie and we got to talking about what music we liked and we're rap heads. We loved rap music. Okay. And, and so you're like, well, what are you into? And at the time, I think I had most everything that I was really into. And I was like, Tone Loke. She disappeared or you guys disappeared. Next thing I know, there's a Tone Loke tape in my hand. <laughs> I didn't ask any questions. I was like, right on. Sweet. <laughs> you know? And, but I think that's that kind of began like we'd see each other at school, stuff like that. And then eventually I was on the bus uh, in West Laramie because we lived out there. Um, but that was, yeah, probably a third house. And then 
moved to my the house that's just down the street from this house that we're in. Mm-hmm. We had the parties at Comanche. Yeah. That was the last house I was graduated high school from and everything. Um, yeah, that's why I kind of remember it. Um, Ty and I met in our, our new kids group. That was funny that he brought up that one. <laughs> yeah, you but yet moved to town at the same time. Actually, didn't we, Jeremy Wheatley also? He did too, Jeremy Wheatley. You guys all three moved in eighth grade, right? Yep. Yeah. But he was, Wheat was from Wyoming already, so he like knew you folk. Like yeah. Ty, Ty and I were coming from like basic cities. Right. Like, he was in the suburbs of Dallas. Portland and Dallas. Yeah, and I yeah. was, and so we were like, oh, this town is like, sucks. Like, yeah, <laughs> to be honest, in the beginning, I was not a fan. And it probably kept me out of alcohol, out of drugs, out of doing a lot of things because I only had sports and that's what I was going to do. And I was hardcore about it. Yeah. Mean, but I wasn't going to parties or anything like that. Happened later. I had a lot of fun mm. at those things. But um, yeah, it was uh, interesting that now we're all good friends. You met three, three of us. We all came in the eighth grade. You should just say you moved here in eighth grade. That would be the new Maybe, one. Maybe I should. Like yeah. I said, I, I was shy early on. So a lot of people yeah. might, might believe that. Like, yeah, I don't really remember you. So I, I think I believe that. We're, yeah. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. I had a great time. Yeah, and, same uh, here. Thanks, Ruth. Yeah. Well, well, I think we'll have a, uh, a Star Wars-based one. Maybe we'll grab Ty, a Frank, my buddy Charlie. But we'll maybe we'll do something like this, but Star Wars. We just got to come up with some sort of structure to it. Um, That's a structure. great idea. I can, you know, when you every time you, either you come here to Vegas or I get to Wyoming, that's one of the first things we do. We got to sit down and we got to hash out whatever Star Wars things have happened and uh, talk about how we're feeling about it. So I would love, I would love that. So try to put that together. So listeners, stay tuned. In the future, there's going to be, Ray's going to come back on the show. We're going to do another uh, episode of the podcast, All My Friends, the Star Wars version. Thanks for listening. On to the next podcast. My friends have lived some interesting lives, and it's pretty impressive that a kid from Laramie, Wyoming is making it work in Las Vegas. Nice work, Ray. Hope to see you and the family soon in person, not digitally. Now here's a story that didn't make the interview. Ray spoke of his birthday at our camp that we worked at, Camp Echo, being a very popular day and a great day at night to go out drinking. Well, that's because Ray, Rick, myself made it that way. Um, we were fun to be with, fun to hang out with out at night. And when it was one of our friend's birthday, we got crazy. So fast forward a few years into working at Camp Echo and it's Ray, Eric, and myself. We're going out for Ray's birthday. And one stipulation before we went out, he said every girl had to wear a skirt that wanted to go out that night. He has no authority to give such order. But guess what happened? We're waiting by the bus to go out. Girls are just rolling up the bus wearing skirts. It was awesome. It was a great declaration. Thank you, Ray, for that. And then we party all night. We have a lot of fun, lots of dancing, lots of drinks, lots of shots. And it ends up, we're on our overnight, Eric, Ray, and myself. And we didn't book a hotel. <laughs> so like, if our parents are listening right now, they probably think a whole different story happened. Um, we didn't book a hotel. We got really drunk. Um, I think we went to a strip club for a little bit. And uh, then ended up at Denny's eating, uh, having some funny conversations. 
and then we passed out underneath some trees outside this Denny's in Middletown, New York. It's upstate New York. It's kind of in the country. It's not what you think like downtown, like Manhattan and would be like that in New York. No, it's upstate. Kind of similar to Laramie. Much better the weather, though. Um, yeah, we passed out under the trees for a little while and a couple hours, it seemed like. Got up and Eric had parked his Forerunner in actually the hotel parking lot. We're like, hey, let's go pass out in the Forerunner for a little bit. So we walk there. And as we're walking, we pass by a McDonald's. Granted, it's about five in the morning. And so the sun's coming up. It looks kind of like dusk. Well, Ray's like, I'm hungry. Let's go to McDonald's. So he grabs the door and it's locked. And he's like, why is it locked? It's five o'clock. And I'm like, no, it's 5 a.m. He really thought it was 5 p.m., the dusk, that the sun was going down. He was very confused, still kind of drunk. But it was interesting how this conversation because we kept walking he's like why is mcdonald's closed he was not understanding why mcdonald's was closed because it was five in the morning and they weren't open yet or maybe a little before that not five at night got to the foreigner we're kind of passing out and he's like why didn't we go to mcdonald's and it took really a couple hours to for him to understand that it was actually closed at the time and that was way back in he's a great teacher basketball coach great parent now this was back in our 20s you know we make mistakes. We have a lot of fun. Nobody got hurt. It was a great time, great story. And that one didn't make the interview, but I had to tell it. Well, let's go on to the next podcast.